Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. When it comes to buying your first home, everyone has questions. Can we even afford to buy a house right now? Well, I need to negotiate. How do I even negotiate? Luckily, a REMAX agent has answers. Hey, Brian, those are really good questions. They are? Thanks. It's my first time buying. I work with first-time buyers all the time. I got you. Remax agents have more experience than other real estate agents. Visit Remax.com or download the Remax app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Each office independently owned and operated. Episode 126 of the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. Can we get that September 12th feeling? Let's start the show. We are now the defenders of the stronghold of democracy and of equal opportunity. All right, welcome to the Aggressive Progressive Cop Podcast. I'm Chris Hahn. I know I said I wasn't going to do this, but I needed a day off from radio last week, so I have no interview for you this week. I, I had a bad voice. I mean, it was killing me. It's obviously back. I don't know, something wrong with me at the time. I feel 100% now. I've been talking all day and uh, have no issues whatsoever to report on that front. I know um, this weekend was tough for a lot of us. It was the 20th anniversary of September 11th. Um, I, uh, during September 11th, worked for Chuck Schumer at the time. And I feel like it was only yesterday that that happened. And um, I still get chills thinking about it. I get very depressed. I wouldn't say I get PTSD. Um, but I do get very depressed in the lead up to September 11th, seeing all of the news coverage about the history, uh, of September 11th and the footage of the towers. And, uh, you know, I worked very hard, uh, in the days following that I, um, was working for Chuck, but I had a part-time job teaching at, at college in the morning. I taught a class from, um, eight to about 9.30 um, twice a week at uh, Hofstra University out on Long Island. And on that Tuesday morning when that plane hit, those planes hit, I was in that classroom. And the dean uh, of the school I was in came in and said, I think you better call your office. A plane uh, crashed into the World Trade Center. And I thought, well, like everybody else when they first heard that, that maybe it was a commuter plane that got lost and... Nope. She told me another plane had crashed in and uh, turned on my phone. I had 37 messages. I went to my office in the Senate only to be evacuated. Um, yeah, it was a bad. And then it was just weeks and weeks and weeks of dealing with the aftermath here, being working for a senator from New York and dealing with all of the death and the despair and the loss and then the rebuilding. Um, it was a wild ride. It was the hardest I ever worked in my life. 
Uh, I wouldn't trade it for anything other than for it to never have happened, right? Uh, I I definitely loved being able to respond to that attack in the ways that we did, helping the families, helping the businesses at the World Trade Center site to recover, uh, helping you know the various exchanges to get back up and running in the days after because that was costing New York millions of dollars. Um, it was... You know, it was a great place to be working and to dealing with that. But when I see these tributes year after year after year, it, it always gets me down. It always gets me down. I um, I didn't really watch the news um, from Friday on. I, um, I, I watched that special about the kids that were in the classroom with uh, President Bush. I didn't watch the ceremonies. I haven't been able to watch them in years. Um. I haven't been able to go to him. When I worked in Manhattan, um, after I left Senator Schumer, I, I had a job downtown. And my office was actually adjacent to uh, Zuccotti Park or Liberty Park, where they hold these ceremonies. And I would not go in on September 11th. I, um, I don't know. But I did, you know, you know, I did read the reviews. I saw some news clips later in the week. Of what was said, I appreciate what former President Bush said, comparing the January 6th terrorists to the 9-11 terrorists. And I think it's a comparison that needs to be made every single day. We need to remind people that on September 12th, 2001, this country was unified. We were united in our resolve to figure out who did this to us and make them pay for what they did. And we did that. And then, of course, we stayed too long and we tried to nation build and we did all the mistakes we did in Vietnam, only we did them more and worse and we were there longer. But I know it's hard for a lot of us to... Uh, to, to look back on 9-11. And I know there's probably a lot of people listening to this podcast right now who weren't even born on 9-11. And I hope that you learned about it. Um, I think for me, um, it was just knowing and getting to know a lot of the families who were impacted directly by it. That is the most hard for me to take because in my role, um, it's in the Senate working for Senator Schumer and then later at the county and then even later in United when I was president of United Way of Long Island um, I dealt with a lot of families and uh, the pain of just the sudden loss you know these people just they got up in the morning they went to work and they didn't come home and thinking about those brave firefighters charging into that building um it's hard. It's hard to think about. So, um, you know, uh, 9-11's past. We've lost that September 12th feeling in this country. We, we have never been more divided since the Civil War as we are right now. And now, again, I know it's exaggerated for all of us in the social media world and um, for those of us who are constantly living in the news. I know that most Americans don't walk around thinking that, 
uh, their fellow Americans are evil because they're liberals. Of course, most Americans don't walk around talking about politics. And then if you get into a conversation about politics, all hell breaks loose. I mean, it is it is kind of funny because I have friends on the other side, particularly friends I grew up with, who I'm still friends with, who I do not talk politics with. Because when I do, it is the end of the conversation. I can't talk to them. They can't talk to me. They think I'm crazy. They think I'm evil. I think they're, you know, listening to maniacs, uh, which they are. (laughs) It's just insane. I I get these insane theories about like people I know, right? Like they'll tell me insane theories about Chuck Schumer. Like guys, I worked for Chuck Schumer. And when I worked for Chuck Schumer in the, uh, in the 2000s, the early 2000s, you know, he drove a Ford Taurus. <laughs> it was, uh, it was, it's amazing to me. Chuck's a real hardworking human being. I wouldn't call him normal because he's driven. He's more driven than anybody I've ever met in my life. He's smart, uh, and he just has endless energy. He's like the I used to call him the hardest working man in politics. He was the James Brown of politics, in my opinion. So that's why I have faith. You know, a lot of people. We're talking about, you know, Congress and a lot of people are like concerned because over the weekend, you know, Bernie Sanders and Joe Manchin were on the Sunday shows, sometimes the same Sunday shows right after each other. And they seem like they're a million miles apart. I don't think so. Look, first of all, Democrats, you need to take my advice. I've said this on this show before. I have tweeted about this. I have said it on national television. I said it on national television last night. Of course, I haven't taped that yet. So maybe I didn't say it, but I'm pretty sure I'm going to say this tonight. We got to stop talking about how much this stupid bill costs and what's in it. Because what's in it, people want. People want the child tax credit to be extended indefinitely. People want... Medicare and Medicaid recipients to get dental and vision benefits. You ever see an old person without dental? Sad, scary. By the way, dental is vital to nutrition. I mean, these were oversights back in the 1960s that should have been fixed by now. Because back in the 1960s, dental and vision, you know, they didn't, first of all, they didn't cost as much as other healthcare and they weren't really as readily available. Now they are readily available and they cost a lot and we need to, and there's more and better procedures to keep people's teeth and gums healthier and it helps them live longer, healthier lives. So why aren't we talking about that? Why aren't we talking about those things? Why don't we make Joe Manchin, instead of responding to a price tag, very easy to say, I don't like $3 trillion. $3.5 trillion. Very easy to say that. A lot harder to say, yeah, you know what? I want to make sure kids starve to death because this bill is ending child poverty. Right now, we have a temporary child tax credit that expires soon that is giving $300 a month to a lot of families with infant children. Supposedly 90% of families in this country with children in school qualify for some portion of this child tax credit. It's saving lives. It's having people have healthier lives. It's helping the economy. 
every dime you put into that child tax credit is going back into the economy. I guarantee it. So, you know, make Joe Manson answer that question. Stop saying, we need $3.5 trillion. No, I look, I get it. I totally get the left's price tag. I get that what we've put into this bill is going to cost X. We got to stop talking about what it costs and start talking about what it does because nobody cares what it costs if it does something for them. And quite frankly, we could pay for it by ending the Trump tax cuts, which didn't help anybody anyway. There wasn't a single job created by the Trump tax truck. In fact, Trump didn't create a single job in his four years as president. Not one, not one additional job. In fact, there were less jobs when he left office. Oh, Chris, but what about COVID? Yeah, well, that's his fault too. Sorry. He reacted poorly to it. He tried to hide it from this country. He made this crisis worse than it needed to be. He didn't act quick enough. And then when he did act, it was wrong. Stop pretending if you're out there that you benefited from it. You didn't. They took it out of one pocket and put it in the other. That's what they did. You didn't get any money from yourself, from from the government in that tax cut, If you, unless you're a billionaire. I mean, look, I do better than most. Whatever they gave me in tax cuts, I lost in my SALT deduction here in New York State. Broke even. Maybe I lost a little bit more. So yeah, let's end those Trump tax cuts. Let's just del- delete that bill from ever existing ever. Go back to where we were, which was pretty damn good. The economy was booming under the old tax code, not doing as well under this new tax code. So what is your argument for keeping this tax code? There is no argument to be had. Trump inherited a booming economy and left a train wreck. And now he's going to run for president again. And there are people who are welcoming that. That's just. That's just why we've got problems. That's why we got to get back to September 12th. This is a man who destroyed America, who is responsible for the deaths of 600,000 Americans, maybe 650 at this point, 660. The people who are dying today are, are his supporters. They're his supporters who don't believe anything the government says because this guy made them doubt everything the government says. And they're dying as a result of it. Even as he tells them they should get vaccinated. (laughs) They won't even listen to him. And he's going to be their nominee. The Republicans are going to put that guy up. Kevin McCarthy's going to bow to him again. It's pretty bad. It is. It's more than pretty bad. It is disgustingly bad. It is a disgusting thing. And, and, and I don't know if I'm, I'm looking forward to it because I do believe we will beat him like a drum. Nothing will motivate liberals more in this country than Donald Trump on the ballot. Nothing ever. And quite frankly, those liberals who didn't vote down ticket, who are now looking uh, at Roe v. Wade leaving uh, our, our, our legal landscape in this country, not being the law of the land anymore, they might consider voting down the ballot for other Democrats. I, I, I would imagine that that decision in Texas is going to help Gavin Newsom. And, and, you know, this is airing on Tuesday morning and the election for California is Tuesday afternoon. So if you haven't voted yet, if you're listening on Tuesday and you're in California, vote. 
vote no on recall. Um, I'd imagine, though, that that decision is going to put Gavin Newsom over the top. I, I don't think you want a Larry Elder introducing the Texas abortion ban into California. I just don't think that that's going to fly in that, you know, five to one Democrat to Republican state. But who knows? You know, so put him on the ballot. Let's see what happens. I I mean, I don't want him to ever be anywhere close to it. And of course, when he loses, he'll say it was rigged. This is the problem with Republicans. You know, I win, it's great. I lose, it's rigged. Larry Elder's already starting with it's rigged in California. That's why I know Gavin Newsom should be okay. But that doesn't mean you don't vote. If you didn't vote yet, go vote. (laughs) It's a lot of nonsense. All right, let me take a quick break here. And then I'll be back to wrap up the show. No guests today, just me. I really do appreciate you listening to this podcast. By the way, I didn't even introduce myself. I'm Chris Allen. This is The Aggressive Progressive. And I'll be right back. Yeah. I mean, Donald Trump spent September 11th criticizing Joe Biden and then doing color commentary on a boxing match. Yeah, that's a real presidential for you. 9-11, let me criticize somebody, not talk about unity. Yeah, that's your guy. That's your freaking disgusting guy. Okay, all right, you you go be with that guy. Um, and, and of course, yeah, and, and wonder why he lost and say that it, there's some sort of conspiracy to make him not win. They're going to have every voting law, every voting advantage in the world, in Georgia and in Texas, maybe even in Arizona. And they're going to still lose. So um, get ready. It's coming. And they're going to lose Texas. We've got to invest some money in Texas. I'm I'm blown away by my party's failure to seize on that opportunity. I'm blown away by my party's failure to communicate to Latino voters, taking them for granted when, you know, Republicans don't. They don't, they don't write them off. They try to get them. And they get just enough to make us lose Florida and Texas. And if you don't think that that's a big deal, it's a huge deal, especially in Florida where you go, oh, Chris, but what about all the Cubans? Well, there are more Puerto Ricans in Florida than there are Cubans and Republicans reach out to them and Democrats don't. And Democrats, well, they did a little bit this year, but too little, too late. And we've got to do a better job. I had AJL Delgado on a couple of weeks ago. I'm going to have her back soon because I really want to talk about Latino outreach uh, in this country because it's driving me freaking crazy. All right, before I go, I'm going to give you a puppy update. So the puppy's getting big, um, really big. She's she's about to get her last shots. I'm bringing her tonight. And uh, I got a house guest, my other dog, who's going to be with me for three months now. So I'm going to be a uh, two-dog house for three months. Uh, it's been a rough four days <laughs> with two dogs, but uh, I've been enjoying it. Uh, I do love uh, having dogs. I do. Uh, I become a dog lover. Uh, anybody who knew me, you know, three years ago, I didn't want a dog. Uh, it was foisted upon me and now I have two and I love them both. So there's the puppy update. And, uh, I, I think I want to end on that high note cause I was kind of depressing in the early part of this show and just know I love y'all and appreciate you taking the time to listen to this podcast. And I want to remind you as I always do to seek the truth question everyone and everything even me seek the truth i know it's out there and i know you'll find it if you look for it and i'll be back here again next week to tell you the truth as i see it i'm chris hahn 
Thanks for listening to Aggressive Progressive Podcast. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. When it comes to listing your home for sale, everyone and their mom has advice. Oh, honey, who's going to want to buy this place on a cul-de-sac? It's literally a dead end. But for professional advice, a REMAX agent actually knows best. Let's start with a neighborhood analysis. I've been seeing lots of buyers looking to move here. REMAX is the most trusted name in real estate. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Based on 2022 Brands Park American Trust Study. Each office independently owned and operated.